following program is brought to you in living color. Ron and Anian. So it's just a flat flange with a gasket in the middle. The pipes last a long time. They're stainless steel. But the flanges themselves really start to rot and corrode. The Car Doctor. Now, I have seen cases where fuel trims on these trucks are skewed. I have seen them do some weird things. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, The Car Doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls. At 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. Hey, welcome. Ronnie Andy, the car doctor. 855-560-9900. I'll give that to you one more time. 855-560-9900 is the phone number. That's 24-7. That phone number. Call us. Leave a message. If we're not on the air, we've arranged it. So there is a messaging system set up there for you. Uh, we are live on the network, in case you don't know, in case you're taking us on a delayed affiliate or a podcast or something. We're live on the network Saturday afternoons, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern time. But you can call 855-560-9900 anytime, day or night. Leave a message, and our producer or someone will call you back and get you in the lineup for the following week and uh, get you up here live on radio and talk to you about your car problem, as we have for these past 25-plus years to everybody. Enjoyed each and every minute of it. We have, and we hope to continue to do so for a long, long time. More information about this radio show, of course, cardoctorshow.com. There's links there to tune in, iHeart, iTunes, all places you can podcast. We've made it easy for you, as well as downloading podcasts straight from cardoctorshow.com, and uh, you can do it any which way you want, and that's what this radio show is all about. We're trying to make it easier for you to relate and communicate to that thing in your driveway we call an automobile. You've heard me talk about, you know, end of days. No, not those end of days, not that story, but the end of days of auto repair. And uh, you've heard me of late talk about uh, some of the things that I've commented on. My wife and I have seen from television ads about cars that self-park, self-drive, self-brake. Uh, you know, they seem to do everything but pay for themselves. And uh, maybe that's when they'll figure out how to do that. You know, I wonder if the day will ever come where you'll walk into the showroom, they'll scan your thumbprint. Okay, it's you. Let's see. Do you have enough money in the bank or what's your credit rating? Just think about it. We'll eliminate paper altogether, but I'm off on a tangent. I can't imagine that ever happening, not in my lifetime. But my point is the technology that's there in terms of the cars. And it's something I've noticed even on today's show, right? I think the newest car we had, uh, was a 2014 Ford Escape in the last hour, and it was a question about maintenance. It was a question about how often to flash the computer. And then after that, it was a 2008. Oh, we had a 2015 Dodge Challenger. That was our Diablo Sport winner last hour. Um, a woman, Gail, called in with some questions about a Dodge Challenger. She was having some, She was, I guess, there was a performance issue between her and her boyfriend, and I'll leave it at that, that... Uh, um, the car didn't run right, and she was looking to, you know, what could be done to it, and we, we gave her the Diablo Sport tuner. But that being said, my point is the newer cars are maintenance issues. The older cars, and look at the gap from that 2015 and 2014 Ford and Dodge. We're all the way back into 2006s, 2007s. There's almost an eight-year gap of cars that have problems. And we're seeing more and more that the newer cars are maintenance or calamitous failure. 
where the older ones had the intermittent nagging, the persnickety stuff that just didn't always seem to lead you anywhere and you were constantly grinding away trying to sort it out. It's The technology was tougher to deal with. And that's a credit to the newer cars. They really are made a lot better. But they do have their downside, too. They do have ways. They haven't made them idiot-proof, and they haven't made them foolproof, and there are ways you can hurt your car. And I still maintain, no pun intended, that the easiest way for you to hurt your car is lack of maintenance, is lack of oil changes. We had a 2012 Volkswagen GTI come in the shop this week for an oil change. It was 4,000 miles overdoing. Okay, I get it. He's not in tune to his car, again, no pun intended, and he's not paying attention. But the car was 4,000 miles overdue. It had gone 8,000 miles, that means, since its last oil change. We took out three-quarters of a quart of oil. Had a check engine light on, had other dash warning lights on, had maintenance light on. You know, this isn't hard. You know, if, if you're a parent, you wouldn't, well, if you're a parent and you're rational, you wouldn't send your kids to school in January in the Northeast, in Maine, in, in a cold weather state, in T-shirts and shorts. You might if you're an idiot, and that's always possible, but, you know, most people aren't like that. Take care of your car like you take care of your kids. I don't know if that's a fair statement either. I've gotten into some cars that are pretty rough too, so maybe that's not the right idea. But you get what I'm trying to say, right? It's just it's just common sense. I was reading the trends this week, and a lot of conversation, again, vehicle manufacturers having issues with timing chains and call them what part you want, but intake valve controls, you know, valve timing issues. We're back to that again bypass solenoids, everything's related to valve train, and as a result of oil and lack of oil changes and lack of maintenance. You know, it's funny. They, they've really made it so that you can't hurt the car unless, A, you don't put gas in it, B, you run it into a tree, or C, you don't change the oil on a regular basis. And even those people that are talking about, there was one guy who said he couldn't understand why the engine, oh, I know what it was. I, here, here it is. There's a TSB from General Motors that talks about timing chain issues on Cadillac CTSs. And it, it just kind of blew me away. They're talking about how they've got problems with the chains and they're replacing them under a TSB. And they're finding that issues with oil and oil contamination and people weren't following the oil recommendation guidelines as stringently as the manufacturer liked. And they were going a little bit beyond. And the way the bulletin read, in my mind, it made me think, okay, the engineers for the oil change went to change the oil, said go to 8,000 miles or 10,000 miles, whatever the number was. And if you consistently went to 12, you created this timing chain problem. And what that tells me is the eight or 10,000 miles that they're taking the oil change to is still too much. They're bringing it right to the cutting edge and coming back a little bit when instead safety margin... Why don't we make the oil change at 6,000 miles and allow people the variation of that extra two? Give them some space to breathe instead of holding it to such a tight standard. But my point is, you've got the power in your hands to take care of that car. And if you don't, I think you're headed for a big fall somewhere else down the line. Interesting article from Ford Motor Company, by the way, in a copy of my Ford. We get it at the house because of uh, the 2014 escape in the family. Can I get real-time diagnostics from my vehicle? And the article talks about the last thing you need, you're in a hurry to work in the morning, is car trouble to help avoid unwelcome surprises. Ford created 
the in-sync vehicle health report, which gives you an up-to-date summary of your vehicle's health. You know, I mean, a lot of car companies are doing this. Ford didn't reinvent the wheel here, but look at what this does. Now, think about this, right? In 1968, you owned a Ford LTD or an LTD2 or a Mercury Cran Marquis, right? Yeah, you know, it was a window sticker, the sticker on. Who remembers oil change stickers on the door jam? Anybody? Right? Yeah. Remember oil change stickers on the door jam? Forget putting them on the window like that or forget the lights. Um, there was always oil change stickers on the door jam. The first thing you did in high school, I remember looking for used cars. You'd open the door to see what the last oil change was. And if there was no oil change sticker there, if it looked like there never had been one, nah, you don't want to buy this car because, my God, if they haven't changed the oil every 1,500 miles, it was a piece of junk. Um, and back then you had to change oil every 1,500 miles or 2,000 miles. Um, but this article talks about an in-date up, update summary of your vehicle's health, including brakes, oil and fluids, transmission, engine recalls, and more. This tool available on 2009 and up model your Forge with Sync with My Ford or Sync with My Ford Touch can help you save on repairs by giving you a heads up before small problems turn serious. So you, you go in, you log in on a website. Look how interactive everything is, right, with cars. So you log in on a website and you register your vehicle, and it will then keep track based on your serial number and looking at the car, communicating with your car, what sort of maintenance is due. And, of course, the mechanic's got some input control here. He's the one that's going to, you know, reset the oil change, and that'll tell the system that, hey, the oil change was done. But look at this. Up to the date, we were just talking last hour about is it important to have uh, software updates. They're now going to give you recall and software update information through MySync. So... Again, if you don't think that thing in your driveway you're driving is a rolling computer with four wheels, uh, you know what? I got some beachfront property in Arizona I want to sell you because you'll probably believe me there, too. 855-560-9900. I'm Ron and Andy and the Car Doctor. We're coming back right after this. Welcome back. We're on the the Car Doctor, rolling along at 855-560-9900. Here to take your calls and answer your questions. On that 24-7 number, that's right, that 855-560-9900 is there. And if we're not on the air, you can call it and leave a message, and we will call you back and get you in line up for the following week for the following show. Let's get over and talk to Rick, La Crosse, Wisconsin, 95 Ranger and some EGR issues. Rick, welcome to the car doctor, sir. How can I help? Rick? Hi, Ron. Yes, First sir. of all, thanks for your show. You're um, welcome. My the pleasure. The first time I've called in, but uh, uh, I've uh, really enjoyed your uh, advice over the years, especially the pieces where you give your, your diagnostic uh, routines and how you figure things out. So I'm kind of trying to go down the same path on this okay. Ranger. Yeah, let's do it together. What can I do for you? What do you got? All right. Well, what's what's I'll tell you up front what seems to be happening is I've got a this is a 95, but it does seem to have a OBD2 on it. Well, yeah, it'll got be the Ford under the column. 95 was like the um stepchild year for OBD2. It could, it could be or could not be. It, it it may or may not be there and it may have the plug, but it may not even have any data on it that you can get into. Uh so if you hook up an OBD2 okay. scanner, can you talk to the car via that port? It seems like it, yeah. Okay, then you've got one of those. Uh, I was, I was, yeah. So I was able to pull trouble codes off it. Um, right. Initially, I had a 
P0401 and a P0402. Okay. Which translate to EGR problems. Right. What engine is this, uh, yeah. Rick? This is the 4-liter V6. Gotcha. Okay. And and it's got 220,000 on it, so just getting broke in. Just getting broke in, baby. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, so what have you done so, to it? What have you done to it so far? Well, um, the EGR was definitely bad. Uh, the diaphragm was leaking, and it was all sooted up with carbon. Um, while I was at it, I changed out the uh, the EGR tube that runs to the manifold, and cleaned out the hoses and vacuum lines. They were plugged up with carbon too. Okay. And uh, so then put it back together. Cleared the codes, drove it for a while, and a P1401 popped up. And that has something to do with a deep PFE sensor, I think right. they call it. Digital, digital pressure feedback and, uh, um, uh, yep. pressure sensor, digital pressure sensor on an EGR, right? Okay. Yeah. So it, it, the original one was this aluminum sensor thing, so I took that off and replaced it with the newer style plastic one. Right. And now, now all the codes have gone away, but the truck runs worse, especially when it's cold. Okay. Um, it seems to idle okay, but I just live a couple blocks away from from the highway that takes me to work, and as soon as I get out on the road, it runs real surgy. Um, once it's up to full temp, it seems to run fine. It, it's but, just uh, it's, it's just, just not it's just that. not happy cold. Yeah, it, it kind of feels like it's missing on one or two cylinders until it gets up to full temp. Is it missing? And uh, it it seems like it. If you disconnect the EGR valve, not, does the problem go away? The problem goes away. Okay. Whose parts are they? Um, what aftermarket. Brand? Okay. Auto, yeah, like and it's okay. Um, yeah, AutoZone or whatever. Right. Um. And yeah. here, here, here could be the first problem, because new doesn't mean good. And you know, depending upon what level or what brand of part that is, you could start chase. You could be chasing a an aftermarket part that's a little bit out of calibration. That could be creating the issue. So we can do this one of two ways. Um, first thing I'd like to do is I just want to verify. That the that that DPFE that pressure sensor is is sitting with a, a correct calibration. Do you have a do you own an old a digital volt ohmmeter, Rick? Yes. Okay. At the at the DPFE, there is a brown wire with a green trace, a light green trace. Right. Okay. Key on engine off. Yep. That voltage on that wire should read four tenths to one volt depending upon, you know, the quality level of the sensor. Just I just want to baseline the sensor a little bit. All right. Okay. See where it goes. When the problem happens, if there's a way to hook up the voltmeter and drive the truck, when the problem happens, I want to see, is that sensor changing? Because here's the deal. When the engine's cold and you could maybe hook up your scan tool and look at temperature, you shouldn't have EGR flow. So it's it's kind of strange. It's kind of strange that the EGR valve is affecting this because it's not supposed to be working when it's cold, unless 
the EGR valve itself isn't able to hold its diaphragm shut because the calibration spring is so poor. Aha. <laughs> and ah. that's, that's yeah, you know, listen, there's, there's a reason new doesn't mean good, and there's a reason Ron just doesn't use when it comes to certain cars and certain repairs, and a lot of cars and a lot of repairs. You know what? You just don't want to use cheap parts. I mean, there's no other way to say it because uh, you, you end up with this yep. problem. You know, do you have the old EGR valve out yeah. of curiosity? Uh, the the rusty blob that it is, yeah. Yeah, I mean, how how rusty of a blob <laughs> yep. is it? But the di- oh, the diaphragm was bad yeah. in that, right? Yeah, it was. Yeah. Okay, so it won't open. Um, yeah. Because no. I'm going to tell you, if you start seeing a voltage reading on that DPFE when the engine's cold, and I believe EGR typical EGR doesn't, you know start getting in there until the PCM sees 135 140 degrees of heat. You know, if, if you're seeing if you're seeing EGR operation right off the bat, then 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 that that EGR valve is poor quality or it's 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 opening up and it's letting it it's letting it flow EGR when it's not supposed to. Okay. All right. That's number one. Uh, what I did. What I did is it's kind of similar to what you just recommended. I've I've got an old uh, dial vacuum gauge, and I ran four feet of hose through the firewall, and teed it into the top of the EGR valve. And at an idle, it reads zero. At wide open throttle, it reads zero. But just about anything in between, it's reading about three inches of mercury, regardless of whether the engine's hot or cold. Okay. So. And that's interesting because you would think that that should report a fault code, and it's not. So it sounds like the EGR control solenoid is flowing vacuum when it's not supposed to. What color that's my is my observation? What what color is that vacuum line? Red. Yeah. Yeah. See. Oh, wait. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, I think that, no, the red one might go to the manifold. I can't remember. Off right. Hand. Red goes to the manifold. Green goes to the valve. Right, green yeah, goes to the valve. Yep. Yeah, check your vacuum yep. lines. Make sure they're yep. routed correctly. But that that control solenoid, uh, you know. Now the next question is: Is the control solenoid being commanded by the PCM to open up at the incorrect time too? And that'd be the other thing you'd have to look at. You'd have to look at the command on a scan tool to see what is the PCM telling that vent valve or that control valve to do. So. You know, maybe this isn't a bad EGR valve. It might be the control valve itself, but you're in the right area. Keep going, Rick. Let me know what that control valve is doing, and let me know what uh, the PCM is doing also as well. We'll talk next week. I'm Ron Anini and the Car Doctor. We're back right after this. Well, this car is automatic. It's systematic. It's hydromatic. Why, it's a greased lightning! Welcome back. We're on the Indian The Car Doctor, 855-560-9900. The Car Doctor's 24-7 number. Give us a call or leave a message if we're not on the air, and uh, we will call you back and put you in the lineup for the following week. Um, just a quick point to uh, let you know that coming up later on this hour, we're going to be talking once again to Donald Chilton. From uh, no, we're not not Donald Chilton today. Donald Chilton isn't today, is he? No, we're talking to the folks from PowerFrame today uh, about some uh, questions about battery maintenance. So you can look forward to that coming up a little bit later on this hour. But right now, 
Let's go over to the phones and let's go talk to Frank from Congress, New York. Frank, you must have the express lube uh, lane to get into this uh, place. You, uh, you, you, know what, man? you always you get right up time. on there. I was, I was actually uh, ice fishing up in the Adirondacks last weekend, and I'm sorry I couldn't make it down there. That's okay. Turn up oh. my radio. Here. That's okay. Uh, right. We're up at the uh, county parade we have uh, this year uh, up in Rockland, so we just I just got through. But uh, I'm always into basic maintenance, and something caught me by the by the by the trim. And I'm talking about my son has a uh, Honda Civic. He went over to get gas today. And what happens is that you have that little uh, opening in your car. Right. But when you pull that up, if that line goes bad, how do you get gas in your car? Well, yeah, and, and, and you, you want to know what the real tragedy is? It seems like more, more and more people are waiting to the last minute to put gas in the car. So now they're driving around on fumes and they're dependent upon the gas door opening and it doesn't always open. Exactly, and that's what we. I got a call. He's over there, and uh, he's a city cop, New York City cop. He's in tune. Everything's great, and uh, he he called me up, and I was busy. I said, you, "You're okay." He goes, "Okay, call me back." But here's another basic maintenance. One of those little things that would say if you're traveling, and right. you, you, you got your family packed. Talk to me. Right. Yeah, and that's and well, that's an issue, and, and that's an issue, Frank. Now I'll tell you what. What probably broke is the cable down on, underneath the seat on the driver's side. Right. Um, so he's going to have to, you know, find where it, it Usually it breaks right at the mouth of the cable where it, where it crimps on. He's going to have to get down right. in there and manually open the door and then replace that cable going back. There may be right. a release inside the trunk, okay, that if he opens up the trunk, usually there's an emergency release. Depending upon the year, make the year and the, the year of the car, there's an emergency Correct. release inside that he. But you know what? How many people know that? Because how many people don't read the owner's exactly. manual? And uh, right, and you know exactly. And then I'm talking. You know, I talk to you about filters and changing air filter. Hey, you change the air filter every year, right? Inside the cabin, whatever. Oh, whatever. But these are things you got to think about because if you're on a long trip and this happens. And you got a car full of family. What happens? Yeah, and it's and it's if always the, the last. Not working. We got a problem. Hey, listen, I'm going to go, Frank. But I want to tell you, you if, I know you're at the interview, and it's always great. You keep up. This this show is excellent. Hey, let me just and let me just say this so you, so you hear it. I want you to tell this to your son, the NYPD cop, and for all the folks in blue and for all the folks in red. Fifteen years ago, we thank them for their service and we thank them for everything they do. And uh, it's a somber reminder, but uh, let's not forget 9-11. Frank, you take good care, my friend. We'll talk God again bless. real soon. God bless. Thank take, you, my man. You're welcome. Bye-bye. I'm Ron Andy and the Car Doctor coming up next. Hey, Batteries 101, a little bit power frame grid technology and some conversation about batteries. We know winter's right around the corner, so uh, stay tuned. This is, uh, this is your need to know, um, what you need to know before you go out battery shopping uh, this fall if you're in the market. And if you're not, just some good, solid information. I'm Ron Andy and the Car Doctor. We are back right after this.
Car Doctor. You know, and it's funny. You've heard me if you've been a listening if you've been listening to the show the last couple of weeks talking about batteries and the technology. And uh, most recently, the battery at the shop that looked like it was growing things on the terminals that we took pictures of that are up on the Facebook page and all that that entails. Well, I thought it would be important and appropriate, especially going into the fall and the winter driving season, to talk a little bit more about batteries. And we're welcome. We're glad to have with us here today, Josh Hears. He is a field support specialist from the folks over at Johnson Controls, and we're glad to have him here with us on The Car Doctor. Josh, welcome aboard, sir. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Um, nobody likes sudden battery failure, right? And it's it's that sinking feeling of you go out there and you're expecting to go somewhere, and boom, nothing happens. What right. differentiates batteries with power frame grid technology from other batteries? Because that's really what it's about today. I talk about power frame grid technology all the time and its, its strength and why it's here. Um, that makes a big difference, doesn't it? Sure, absolutely. Yep, there's uh, there's three main benefits to power frame technology, and the first one is that that grid is structurally strong. It's about 66% more durable and more resistant to corrosion than other grid that, uh, designs, which, you know, ultimately is just going to give you longer life, and it, it leads to more of a gradual deterioration as opposed to a sudden surprise And, and that's, that surprise is what gets you when it doesn't start. Absolutely. Batteries don't fail when it's convenient. Right. It's always uh, you're, you're late for something or you're trying to get the kids to school, something like that. Right. Uh, it never happens at a good time. So trying to avoid that is, is key. Um, the, the second benefit to power frame is that that grid is patterned for power. Uh, just meaning the, the grid has been computer optimized to give you 70% better electrical flow. Uh, which gives you superior starting performance and allows for more consistent starting. Um, and then the third benefit is it's a clean construction. Uh, that stamp grid manufacturing process uh, produces about 20% fewer greenhouse gases and 20% less waste than other manufacturing processes do. So uh, it's a, a, a power frame really just gives you longer life, um, you know, better batteries, and the manufacturing process is better for the environment. So I guess, yeah, when, you're, when you think about how many batteries are made in the country today, right, greenhouse gas manufacturing and worrying about the environment, that's a big plus. Uh, absolutely. Um, that's that's a, a very important piece for us, uh, especially with Johnson Controls, is, you know, manufacturing those those lead plates, the batteries, in a very environmentally responsible fashion, and that's uh, that's something... Uh, we pride ourselves on the, the stamping process, Josh. Um, you know, how is it more advanced than other grid manufacturing processes? I mean, how do you guys make it different? Yep, really, that that stamping process just allows for a more consistent grid design. Uh, there's there's a lot of reasons that batteries are going to fail. The number one reason is positive grid corrosion. Um, and the the stamping process that we use is able to minimize that corrosion so that your battery is going to perform more consistently. Uh, one of the words we, uh, or, or terms we talk about is porosity, or how much air is actually inside that lead plate. Um, you know, the more air that's in there, the easier it is for that corrosion to work inside that lead. And that's what you get when you use more of a, a poured mold grid, where, you know, you take hot lead, you pour it into a mold. It's, it's very porous. Uh, what we do with that stamp design, the first step in that process is to compress that lead. And what it does is it compacts the grains of lead. It makes it very hard for corrosion to work its way inside that plate. 
So that makes sense. You're, you're effectively making the grid, if we think of cake batter, you're, you're actually pouring a more consistent batter with less air holes and, and less chance for the cake to fall. Absolutely. One of the comparisons I make is if you take uh, some steel wool and you take a steel ball bearing and you expose it to the, um, the, the climate and the weather all summer long, the heat, the wind, the rain, at the end of the summer, that steel wool is going to be very corroded, not much structure left to it. That steel ball bearing is going to be corroded on the outside, but internally it's still very strong. Right. And that's you know, similar to how those power frame grids are, are manufactured. Yeah, makes sense. Um, I've got a ton of regular listeners that know I'm always recommending standard lead-acid flooded batteries with power frame grid technology. Um, but there's a lot of new technology in cars. So, you know, can you explain to them and anyone listening today about how batteries have advanced as well? What's beyond this standard lead-acid flooded battery? Yeah, so we've used uh, the, the standard flooded lead-acid battery for years and years. And ultimately, that's a, a starting battery. That's that's intent is to just start the car. Uh, but now as vehicles advance, and we've put more electronics on vehicles. I mean, you think of a standard minivan nowadays, probably has, you know, two power sliding doors, a power tailgate, maybe a moonroof, maybe a navigation system, some kind of DVD system in the back. There are a lot of electronics on vehicles today that never existed before. So you really need a different technology of battery to uh, support all those electronics. And that's where AGM or absorbed glass mat comes in uh, because the AGM batteries can handle the load of all the electronics there are in vehicles these days and still be at a, a fairly high state of charge in order to start your car. And then as we move into the future, into the start-stop technology, uh, which, you know, that technology is, is starting to grow, and it's more similar to like a, a golf cart technology where when you come to a stop, your engine shuts off, and then your battery is supporting all the elect uh, electronics in your vehicle. Um, and then when you take your foot off the brake or hit the gas, the engine comes back on. That technology is growing, and AGM batteries are what is uh, powering those vehicles. That's interesting. I guess AGM has more of a place than just length and durability. It's now going to help us with new features and technology going forward. That's, um, that's kind of neat. Uh, talk a little bit about, you know, I, I love to get into the conversation about uh, conditions that affect the life of a grid and battery. People are always asking me, how long should a battery last? How do you explain that? Yeah, it's uh, that's kind of the, the million-dollar question. It, it, a little bit depends on how you take care of the battery. A little bit depends on uh, which part of the country you live in. The two things that really are the life-limiting uh, things that affect batteries are heat in vibration. The heat corrodes the batteries, as we, we talked about, or corrodes the lead plates inside the battery. And then vibration, you know, whether you're hitting potholes or going over speed bumps or just even a lot of stop and go uh, driving, um, that vibration starts to shake those lead plates apart. Um, you know, so when somebody asks how long should the battery last, it's, it's a, a tough question to answer. Uh, I know I'm out of the, uh, the Cleveland, Ohio area, and a lot of people up here think it's the cold weather that, that kills the batteries, when actually it's, it's just the opposite. I mean, we get um, longer life out of batteries up here in the northern climates than, you know, folks down in Florida and the Gulf Coast. It's just so hot down there constantly. Uh, it continues to corrode those plates. So, um, yeah, it's, um, it's a, a tough question to answer. And, and uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things that the better – care you take of your battery, uh, the longer it's going to last for you. So there is no best time of year 
to replace a battery, or is there? You know, probably after a long, hot summer, uh, especially up here in the, the northern climates as we go into the winter months, you know, it's probably not a bad idea to get that battery checked out uh, before the winter starts. Uh, but really, any time throughout the year, if you want to get a, a battery check, no harm in getting that done just to see what the health of that battery is. So I, I guess the key question comes down, because we want everybody to have power frame grid technology. I know I do. I know I look for it, and I know I, I, I try to put customers into it as much as I can. Um, how can a consumer be sure they're getting power frame grid technology if they make a battery purchase? Yep. The only way to be certain is uh, if you visit your local Advanced Auto Parts or CarQuest, uh, power frame technology is going to be found exclusively uh, at those two locations. And when you walk in, you'll look at the batteries and you'll see the light blue power frame logo uh, on the label itself. And that's really the only way to be certain that you're getting that power frame technology. Uh, and then certainly if, if any of the listeners have uh, questions or they want to see videos or pictures of uh, what a power frame grid actually looks like, you can certainly check it out at powerframe.com. It's a great website with a lot of great resources on it. Cool beans. Hey, Josh, we're here with Josh Hears, field support specialist from Johnson Controls. Josh, I want to thank you for being with us today and helping the listeners get more information about batteries. Again, the website, it's um, powerframe.com? That's correct. Cool beans. Josh, listen, you have a go, have a go, go have a great rest of the day. And uh, I'm going to try and uh, move this radio show forward and get into my pause for the cause. And uh, we'll return right after this. I'm Ron Anini in the Car Doctor. Don't go away. Doctor rolling along and uh, getting to talk to you about your automobile. I I, I enjoy this. You know, I uh, my my wife. We were watching TV the other day, and uh, there was a Volkswagen commercial. It had to be a Volkswagen, right? And the commercial was about now they've got self-braking cars. So if you're not paying attention and you're too stupid to understand that you can't hit the car in front of you because you're not paying attention, and I hate to say it like that, but you know, you look at the way people drive today. And, you know, I mean, I guess there's a lot of reasons why you would want to have self-stopping cars in, in you know, real-world scenarios. But um, to me, it's it's we, we've over-medicated the tribe, and we're making it so that anybody can drive without being responsible. And she looked at me, and she looked at the self-braking car, and she said, um, how much longer? I said, I don't know, five, six years? You know, it's it's the technology is going to change, and it's changing very, very quickly. So the fact that I still get to sit here and talk to you about all this each and every week um, uh, it still tells me that uh, you've still got questions. Yes, no, wait a minute. Yeah. So if I have this car, I don't have to do anything. It'll break all by itself. I yeah, don't have to do anything to make it not work. Crash avoidance. But <laughs> Mercedes is... Oh, 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 you're talking stopping. I stopping. I breaking the car. Oh, no, breaking, no. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's true. If it's a Volkswagen, I never thought of it like that. Now I got it. Volkswagen is a self-breaking car by virtue of what it is. That's why VW, and boy, we haven't done this one in a while, but it is true. You know, I should have written that commercial I sh- because Volkswagen, by, by definition of its initials, is virtually worthless. And, you know, so now they've made a self-braking car. I wonder, you know, if that's B-R-A-K-I-N-G or B-R-E-A-K-I-N-G, self-braking. Certainly. Certainly. Of course it is. Um, 
But the technology is kind of scary. On a serious note, uh, and I just want to get this in before the before the hour takes us. We've got about a minute. Um, this came to me from Jim. He's a truck driver. And, uh, hey, Ron, stress this important message to not do this. I'm a truck driver, and I see too many people in the passenger seat at highway speeds with their feet on the dashboard using it as a footrest. What happens to their feet, legs during an accident, such as a deer collision, when the passenger side airbag deploys? Thanks, and uh, thanks for all you do. That is definitely an unsafe scenario, Jim. And you know what? He's right, and we don't think about that. But then again, you know, we live in a country, we live in a land and a time where people think it's too much to spend to do an oil change on a car standing there with a $7 cup of Starbucks or Dunkin' Donuts or whatever caramel latte thing they've got in their hand, and, uh, you know, that's what it's all about. So I yearn for the days of common sense, and I ask myself, will they ever appear again? And I just wonder. So, But anyway... Here trying to keep it common sense being too common. Here trying to make sense of it all. Uh, I am Ron Anini in The Car Doctor, and I really appreciate this opportunity to get together each and every week, as I've said before. Until the next time, good mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. See ya.